chapter twenty three of dr luttrell's first patient by rosa newshet carey this librivox recording is in the public domain i have come to stay the dear lord's best interpreters are humble human souls the gospel of a life is more than books or scrolls whittier deb i have come to stay were olivia's first words as the woman met her on the top of the stairs but deborah's only answer was to lift her hands in dumb protest and lead the way into the kitchen deb's strong hard-featured face was haggard and drawn with fatigue and anxiety and she looked more gaunt and angular than ever her reddened swollen eyelids told their own tale i am come to stay repeated olivia firmly but deborah only shrugged her shoulders and walked over to the fireplace you won't need to stay long miss olive she said in a choked voice at moments of excitement it was still miss olive with deb she is failing fast dear soul the fever's gone and left her as weak as a newborn babe i always said my mistress was only fit to be among the angels and deb gave an expressive sniff as she filled her kettle olivia felt a dull pain at her heart at this speech but she would not let herself give way deborah as she knew always took a gloomy view of her mistress's illnesses dr randolph is coming again to-night she observed my husband told me so but olivia's hand shook as she took off her hat and jacket yes miss olive the doctor is coming again and that speaks for itself to my mind i knew what it was four days ago for she was taken ill the very night after you drove round to see her but i dare not let you know we won't tell mrs luttrell or she will be anxious and will insist on coming to nurse me promise me that you will not send to galveston terrace deb and what was a poor servant to do i suppose if dr luttrell has sent you you will have to stop but i won't give up nursing my mistress even to you miss olive and deb sniffed defiantly there you may go in while i warm her milk but she will not take any notice of you she is too weak to speak the folding doors were open and the little sitting-room with its cheery fire had a cosy aspect the sick-room was dimly lighted as olivia bent over the invalid her heart contracted with anguish could only four days have wrought such deadly havoc aunt madge's face looked pinched and sunken and so changed that olivia could hardly recognize it but as she hung over her in speechless grief the heavy eyelids unclosed and something like a smile passed over the features my little livy was all she whispered but it was the old caressing tone when dr randolph paid his last visit olivia begged him to use his influence with deborah she has been up three nights and is utterly worn out she went on i want her to let me watch while she has a good sleep on that couch i would promise to wake her if i saw the least change indeed i know something of nursing dr randolph i was with my dear mother when she died and i will carry out all your instructions well you heard what i said to mrs higgins returned dr randolph 
that everything depends on frequent nourishment the fever is down but there is a state of collapse that makes me uneasy mrs broderick has a good constitution or she would not have got through her last illness so i still hope we may pull her through but dr randolph's voice was not sanguine as he said this now i will go and have a talk with mrs higgins i shall tell her that unless she does as she is told to-night i shall bring round a nurse with me to-morrow i think that will fetch her and dr randolph was right possibly deb felt herself on the verge of breaking down for she consented at last to lie down on her mistress's couch for an hour or two but it was midnight before olivia found herself in sole charge there was very little to be done except to give medicine and nourishment at stated intervals and to make up the two fires as noiselessly as possible but olivia felt her responsibilities too acutely to be overcome by drowsiness though deborah lay hour after hour in the heavy sleep of utter exhaustion olivia's thoughts went back to her childhood as she sat there a hundred instances of aunt madge's affection and devotion recurred to her she remembered how the sprightly young aunt used to run up to the nursery with some new toy or gaily dressed doll that she had purchased out of her scanty savings for aunt madge had been a daily governess too she could recall the sunday afternoons when she sat in her lap and the beautiful voice sang to her or told her stories joseph and his brethren and daniel in the lion's den or on other days dear old fairy tales such as children love she had been her bridesmaid too and had grown very fond of the honest sturdy scotsman whom his wife so tenderly idealized uncle fergus was a good kind man she thought but he was not all that aunt madge imagined him most people would not have called him interesting but he was devoted to her what a bright creature she was until little malcolm died that was the first of her troubles what a happy home theirs had been but it was aunt madge who had been the heart of the house who had organized and planned uncle fergus had never originated anything and she loved him as dearly as i love marcus she went on and yet when she lost him there was not a murmuring word i thought it was too good to last she once said to me but my widow's cruise will never be empty i have the sweetest memories and by and by i shall have my treasures again do you know i often pray livy that i may not long so much to die god's will not mine even in this oh aunt madge dear aunt madge i cannot spare you yet murmured olivia more than once that night for it is hard for human affection to rid itself of selfishness when olivia brought deb a cup of tea at seven o'clock the good creature seemed quite shocked to think i have slept all these hours she said in a dazed voice miss olive why did you not wake me long ago you are fit to drop and what will dr luttrell say but olivia shook her head with a faint smile i will lie down now and get a nap deb i am sure she is no worse she has taken all dr randolph ordered and though she has not spoken she seemed to me a shade less exhausted but though deb would not endorse this olivia felt certain that she was right she was sitting at her late breakfast when marcus called to see how they had spent the night and her account evidently relieved him 
he waited to hear dr randolph's opinion olivia came back to him as soon as possible oh marcus she said the tears rushing to her eyes dr randolph says that the exhaustion is not quite so great and he owned frankly that he was afraid last night how he should find her this morning we are to go on just the same everything depends on frequent nourishment he thinks the heart is a little stronger but she must not be moved at all we must see what nature and rest will do he said to me do not relax your efforts we are not out of the woods yet he is coming again about four yes i should not be surprised if she weathered it after all returned marcus she must have a tough constitution to have gone through all she has yesterday i certainly felt anxious and so did randolph we both feared sudden collapse i worried myself for a long time because i had not offered to sit up with you livy but i have been up two nights already this week and one has one's work to do but olivia looked quite shocked at this my dear boy how could you think of such a thing it would have made me more miserable than i was already besides there would have been no room for you this is such a tiny place oh how i wish aunt madge could move into better lodgings her bedroom is far too small and that wardrobe quite fills it up by the by marcus i wish you would tell me what i had better do may i come home for an hour or two and see the baby i don't know that there would be any risk he replied slowly you cannot give influenza unless you have it yourself but all the same i would keep away from dot she is perfectly well and sat up in her high chair pouring out imaginary tea in her wooden set while i had my breakfast and martha begged me to tell you that the butcher had called and she had ordered a steak for master and would make a rice pudding for miss baby very well then i will stay but marcus i shall see you again this evening shall i not and marcus returned in an emphatic voice that he certainly intended to keep an eye on her i won't have you getting into mischief and knocking yourself up he remarked severely so be a wise woman or you will have to reckon with me there was plenty to do that morning putting things tidy in the sick-room and straightening the sitting-room in the course of the day some choice flowers came from galveston house with mr gaythorne's compliments and at tea-time marcus dropped in unexpectedly and they had a cosy half-hour together in deb's spotless little kitchen to her surprise he told olivia that dot was at galveston house mrs crampton begged to have her and mr gaythorne thought it would be a good plan so she fetched her this afternoon i hope i have done right livy and marcus spoke in an apologetic tone as though he felt that he had trenched on the mother's prerogative but you see i'm so much out and martha is so busy that i thought that we should both be less anxious to know that mrs crampton was looking after her and olivia agreed to this olivia had already arranged to take the earlier part of the night in the sick-room and when dr randolph had paid his evening visit deb took possession of the couch again olivia had promised faithfully to wake her at three o'clock a long afternoon nap had refreshed olivia and a few hopeful words from the doctor had cheered her immensely a little after midnight she was sitting down by the bedside with some knitting to keep her awake when a movement from the bed made her look up aunt madge's eyes were fixed on her there was a strange solemnity and deep sadness in their expression and as olivia rose hastily and bent over her with a tender inquiry the feeble voice whispered don't fret any more livy the master does not need me yet not yet and then scarcely audibly i shall not die 
but live and declare the works of the lord and then it seemed to olivia that the weary eyelids closed in sleep again when her turn for rest came olivia felt almost too agitated to sleep the sad yearning in the sunken eyes haunted her too well she knew that the fresh gift of life would only be an additional cross laid on the weary shoulders what was life to aunt madge now but suffering and deprivation a daily stumbling among shadows as she had once called it there was no reserve and hesitation in dr randolph's manner when he came out of the sick-room the next day she has turned the corner now but it was a narrow squeak he said rubbing his hands now all we have to do is to build up her strength your aunt is a wonderful woman mrs luttrell i should not wonder if she is good for twenty years yet but we must be careful still i suppose you will be here for another day or two oh that's all right as olivia gave a decided assent to this it would be a pity to knock mrs higgins up there are not many women like her she is simply invaluable as the days went on the tension of anxiety was visibly relaxed the invalid's progress was slow but sure in another day or two olivia was able to go home for an hour or two to have dinner with marcus and give martha directions and while the night work continued it was impossible for her to leave and it was arranged that dot was to remain at galveston house for the present greta had written to beg for an extension of her visit she is such a darling and i shall be so delighted to have her she wrote she will not be at all in the way and indeed dot ruled royally over the household she and mr gaythorne became great friends great dada as she called him took a good deal of notice of the pretty golden-haired child who played at his feet for hours and eros was devoted to her alwyn's first work when he returned was to paint a large picture of dot in her cream-coloured smock hanging a withered garland round the neck of the blind hound friends he called it olivia was able to spend an hour or two at galveston house the day after the young couple returned she found them in the studio with dot and eros alwyn was looking well and handsome and greta's sweet face wore an expression of gentle content she carried olivia off at once to the morning-room to have a chat as she said looking archly at her husband and though alwyn professed to grumble at the desertion he was too busy stretching his canvas for the new picture to resent it let me know when tea is ready he called after them and then they heard him whistling in his usual light-hearted fashion i need not ask you if you are happy greta were olivia's first words and then a charming blush crossed the young bride's face no indeed oh olive he is so good to me if you only knew how he studies all my wishes it was like a dream yesterday coming to this beautiful home and then mr gaythorne's delight at getting his son back oh it was so touching to see them together alwyn wants me to call him father she continued shyly he says it will please him so so i must try to do it you know i always call my own father dad now tell me about dear mrs broderick poor olive what a time you have had and you are looking so pale and tired and then olive poured out her anxieties and past troubles into greta's sympathizing ears she is very weak still she finished dr randolph thinks it will be some time before she will be able to leave her bed i have found such a nice woman who will come in and help deb for of course i cannot leave marcus any longer 
i am to go home the day after to-morrow deb will sleep on the couch in the sitting-room she will have to give nourishment every two hours but deb manages to sleep with one eye open as i tell her i am to go for a couple of hours every afternoon that will allow her to have a little rest marcus thinks this will work excellently oh how glad i shall be to be at home again and look after him you want looking after yourself dear returned greta affectionately and then alwyn came into the room with dot on his shoulder but she clambered to go to her mammy how do you think mrs alwyn gaythorne looks asked alwyn mischievously she does me credit does she not by the by greta do you think father will like us to have coffee with him in the library this afternoon i told phoebe that we would have it up here shall i go and ask him alwyn do love the attention will please him and i am sure mrs luttrell would not mind then as greta left the room he turned to olivia and said in a tone of deep feeling she looks well and happy don't you think so oh mrs luttrell every day i feel more what a treasure i have she is an embodied sunbeam i never knew any one so gentle and yet so bright how my father will love her when he knows her better and then as his wife's step sounded in the corridor he sprang from his seat to open the door End of chapter twenty three